Welcome to the MetaZen Cabinet, where we get experimental about exploring your potential so you can discover your own values, the manner in which you're here to serve, and align yourself with the only certifiable rescue team you can rely on, yourself. Welcome to Episode 8, Power of Trustworthiness. Hey y'all, welcome back to the MetaZen Cabinet and welcome to episode 8. In this episode, we'll be talking about trustworthiness and why it's important. I do want to thank y'all first and foremost for still sticking in with me. I've been receiving so many messages and so much love and just so much comfort and confirmation in what it is I'm doing here. And I want to thank you all for all of that. You know, hopefully I can continue to be, this podcast can continue to be what you need and, you know, stand on its own and not plan to make it do so. So, yeah, I just want to thank y'all for that first and foremost. In this episode, in the first segment, we'll be talking about what trustworthiness is and why it's valuable. In the second episode, we'll be, excuse me, in the second segment, (laughs) we'll be discussing the enemy of trustworthiness. And in the third segment, we'll be discussing how we can practice trustworthiness in our everyday life. It's not something that, you know, you can just, you know, it's just a quick pill that you can swallow and you're there. It does take work and it takes a consistent action on a day-to-day basis. It also takes a pure intention. So we'll discuss all of those things. So stay tuned. Warren Buffett said, it takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to ruin it. I personally love this quote because I was exposed to this idea pretty early in life, you know, like all of us uh, usually one way or another. But I learned early as a kid that trustworthiness is important, you see. I grew up in a house full of kids and I learned early that when you tell the truth, you become someone that people can trust. I was almost practically uh, practically the youngest before my little sister came along, but I was known as I was a kid that you go to when anything wrong happens in the house and you know everybody comes to you to find out what really happened because they know you know the lowdown and you know you're scared of getting a whooping, you're scared of getting in trouble, you're scared of any kind of chastising or discipline. So you're the one to go to, uh, go to, you know, kind of like Jermaine Jackson from the Jacksons. <laughs> I used to get into so much trouble with my brothers and my cousins and stuff like that because, you know, they feel like, you know, you're giving us away you're always tattletaling and stuff like that. But I love the fact that when things go down, my parents came to me because it could have been a thing where, you know, I whip everybody and I know I got the right one. And, you know, it was quite a few times they tried to try that and they'd be like, all right, I tried this 
much as I could to hold out. And now we just got to talk about the shit. Shit just got to come out because I ain't getting no whooping for nobody. You know, you might be just like that too. But it taught me a very important lesson early that it's a power, it's a skill, it's a strength in people being able to value and believe your word because the moment that they feel that you're a liar, that you can't be trusted, then their ability to give and be open with you becomes minimized and compromised. You know, I saw my brother, I saw my cousins, you know, lie and get in trouble and get caught up in lies so many times. So when certain instances came where they got in trouble, my parents couldn't be sure of where they stood or what actually happened because they couldn't believe them. And I always just dreaded that situation of being in a situation where I need your help or I need you to believe me on something. But you can because I've tr- I've proven that I can't be trusted on countless occasions with you. And that's just something that just stuck with me as I got older, you know whether you're in school and you know they need you to help set up for an assembly or something and you know you got to be unsupervised you, t- you know they come by do you have anybody that you can spare to help build, uh, bring some chairs downstairs and you know the teacher always said my name I always loved that because it made me feel like I can be trusted I'm someone to be trusted and she recognizes that or when I'm with the teacher steps away, whether to go to the bathroom or to a meeting or something like that, you know, they choose a student to watch over the class until she comes back. I was always that kid that he or she chose to watch over the class because I was trustworthy and I was able to be assertive and keep everybody in check until he or she came back. And I always loved that. And I took that to heart, you know? Even my first real job, I was a busboy in a steakhouse, and I created the kind of trustworthiness in my character where, where, you know, before I leave or before the busboys leave, we all have a cleanup assignment that we have to complete. And then the manager got to go with you to pretty much evaluate the level of cleanliness. If you did it perfectly, if you know you need to take it a step further, go back and do some more. And it got to a point where my manager, Brittany, I'll never forget that. You know, it got to a point where she'd be like, you can just go. You can go. I know yours good. You can just go. I ain't got to check yours. I, you know what I'm saying? I'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you in a couple of days. But you, but you can just go. And it got to a point where she didn't have to verify or check my work. My character stood for itself. My trustworthiness stood and spoke for itself. And that's what I want this episode to be about. And that's talking about the beauty and the power and being trustworthy and trusting others and just that whole thing. To me, trustworthiness is the ability to be in the care of someone and to be able to take your eyes off the road, to be in the care of someone and not feel feel compelled to have to watch your back and, you know, do, and you can suspend all the typical expressions of survivalism that we experience as humans when it comes to preserving our life and preserving our own well-being. Trustworthiness is your ability to surrender that level of care and competency to someone else. Uh, um, how, it's the ability to trust someone with observing and upholding your best interests 
and your care, your personal care when you're not doing so, you know, to be in their care and to trust them means that you trust them to care for you and take care of you damn near to the degree that you do. I hope that makes sense. Trustworthiness is important because it facilitates our primal desire to share ourselves with other people. You know, when we trust people, we feel comfortable being ourselves. We feel comfortable sharing what we've been through, sharing what we desire, what our goals are, and the very personal things, sacred things that make us who we are. And you have to be able to trust someone to be able to give that and share that with them. And I feel like we all have that natural inclination to share those things. So trustworthiness is definitely the vessel to set that path, the vessel to enable that kind of growth and intimacy with any other human being. Like I said before, it allows us to suspend our natural inclination to protect ourselves because we're in the company of someone that we trust and value and respect enough where we feel they can do a pretty similar job to ourselves when we're in their care. So it definitely allows us to trust and also know that we can be vulnerable with people, you know, to a higher degree than when we are with ourselves. We can allow ourselves to be open and defenseless and unguarded and great things can happen. And more than anything, it really just opens us up to experience the power and bliss of someone loving us for exactly who we are. You know, I think we all have that natural desire for someone to love us for exactly who we are. And when they don't, you know, we shrink up, we shrink into a shell, you know, we die a little bit, we take it hard and we wear that on our person, we wear that in our speech, we wear that in our body language, we wear that in our memories, we wear that in how we perceive uh, reality, so we wear that in our perception, we wear it everywhere. Energy doesn't lie. And maybe you're wondering what kind of benefits can come from taking this kind of risk of being open and being vulnerable and defenseless. Well, for one, it definitely allows you to to experience emotional honesty. And emotional honesty is important and it's very valuable because as human beings, as creators, as citizens of this earth and universe, you know, if you don't know it yet, hopefully you'll learn soon, but we're here to create reality. We're here to create and build a world of endless possibilities. And it's harder and damn near impossible to create, do that kind of creating and exercise that kind of power when you can't be honest with yourself or anybody else for that matter. So it definitely allows you emotional honesty. Emotional honesty also allows you to be in alignment and it allows you to access clarity on your journey. When you have have a problem or you struggle to tell the truth or to be honest with yourself emotionally, you struggle to be honest with other people emotionally. So it frees you up. It frees you up to hold more light. It frees you up to experience more flow. And it frees you up to be your most powerful In addition to that, it also gives us creative freedom. 
You know, when it comes to the ideas, the way, the ability to ideate or create in terms of the ideas or, you know, a business or whatever it is you want to do or taking your life on a better uh, trajectory, it allows you to have more creative freedom because a lot of time we spend too much time repressing our emotions or repressing memories or repressing a lot of emotional content within ourselves that it comes back to us in different shapes and forms and similar experiences and, and more harsh experiences and we're not able to focus on creating and making our lives better because we're too busy being taunted by the past and our repressions and the things that we don't want to deal with. So it definitely gives us a great deal of creative freedom. It allows us to come together with other people and be honest and vulnerable and creative and be and you know, do more and be capable of more and having greater visions, you know, as an individual, we have very powerful visions, but when we come together with other people, the visions can become that much more stronger. So it definitely allows us to have creative freedom. And then it just gives us that relational intimacy. You know, as humans, we all want and require intimacy. We all want to be around people that we can be ourselves with, that we don't have to change for, that we don't have to edit or be insecure around. We want to be around people that we can just, you know, breathe and move and talk the way we do. And that is not only good enough, but it means the world. So it definitely offers us that ability to have that level of intimacy because if you don't have that trustworthiness in your life, if you're not someone that's trustworthy, then you're going around doubting everybody and you're insecure, expecting that everybody is out to get you or a bad guy and you're really not getting the opportunity to experience the fullness of this experience and the fullness of what you're here to do. You're actually being... You're actually doing yourself a grave disservice, grave. It definitely allows us to attract people that are like us, that match our vibration and people that are also trustworthy and vulnerable and sincere and open. So think about all of those things. Definitely great reasons to embody trustworthiness and require trustworthiness out of the people that you spend your time with and share your life with. One of the largest parts in experiencing more trustworthiness in your life is when the trustworthiness starts with you, when you're trustworthy yourself, when you're doing the right thing, when no one's looking, when your word is valuable, when you're over-delivering on your word and just going above and beyond, you know, I love trustworthiness and it's all and I've always had a close intimate relationship with trustworthiness because I grew up and spent a lot of time around elements that weren't as trustworthiness and it's it always inspired me to want to be different and go the other way want to be somebody that do what they say they're going to do, be someone that means what they say and be someone whose word can be valued and trusted. For me, it all comes back to character. And, you know, Henry Cloud said that character is the ability to meet the demands of reality. So when it comes to trustworthiness, trustworthiness factors into your character because it's your ability to see yourself and know yourself and accept yourself 
in a powerful way where you don't have to be guarded, unloving, or paranoid because you're aware of your own innate goodness, your own value, your own best interests, and grace. As humans, we all have trust issues as well. And with those trust issues, they can definitely keep us from trusting people. And that's really because, again, we're not trusting ourselves. And a lot of us, we make the decision that we don't never have to trust anyone. And we don't never have to be vulnerable with anyone. But when you're doing that, you're setting yourself up to live in a world of lack and insecurity and isolation and self-loathing because because you feel like you can't trust anybody it really comes back to feeling like you can't trust yourself you know a lot of when it comes down to trusting ourselves it comes that comes back to ego and situations where people might have deceived us or got over on us or did this or did that to us and we put ourselves in this situation where our house rules are you know, I'm too smart. To, I'm too smart for that. Or I'm way too smart. How could I let them do this to me? And then, you know, we pretty much disarm and beat ourselves up. And we, somewhere down the line, we render ourselves unworthy of trustworthiness because we can't trust ourselves. We can't trust ourselves to choose the right people to treat us right. We can't choose the right people to love us right. We can't choose the right people to support us. And we blame ourselves. Now, there is an element of truth that everything and everyone that's in your life, you energetically invite it. But there are variables and things that you always can't control. There's actually so much that you can't control. You can only control your reaction and how you adapt to those things. You know, if you're still attracting people that are untrustworthy in your life, they're just reflecting to you that you still don't trust yourself. And when you get better about trusting yourself, You'll get better about detecting those energies and those people that don't mean you well. You'll be able to catch it in the first phrase. You'll be able to catch it in body language. You'll be able to catch it in text messages. But when you get better at trusting yourself, you will become the spokesman that you need to be when it comes to seeing that in other people. I've always had an open dialogue with myself where when I see somebody that's untrustworthy or somebody that I feel is capable of doing some trifling shit or whatever, you know, I can most times pinpoint the source or origin of what I feel may be the treacherousness or the untrustworthiness. And that comes back to me because I can spot, I see that in them because I used to do things like that. Or when I was doing things like that, I talked the same way. I had that same kind of attitude. So I know for that fact, they can be trusted. And it comes with being willing to tell the truth even when it's about, especially when it's about you, because you are who you have to work with every day. So you definitely need to be, you know, being honest with yourself. But I've gotten so good at trusting myself over the years because I'm open to pointing out the things that I used to struggle with or the things that I currently struggle with when I see it in other people. And when I see it in other people, it makes me take that circle, full cycle view that someone else can perceive this as untrustworthy in me. So this is something that I need to be aware of and something that I need to work on and get to work on. Also, subjecting ourselves to a world without trustworthiness 
puts us at risk of aging into mediocrity, I like to put it. But, you know, aging and getting older in the age of mediocrity. Robin Sharma says that potential unexpressed plus dreams left undone generates regret that powers all suffering. Potential unexpressed plus dreams left undone generates regret that powers all suffering. Living in a world where we don't trust anyone puts us at our own, how Oprah says, meager will because we're now solely depending on ourselves when we're here to meet each other, when we're here to team up with each other, relate to each other, inspire each other, create with each other, and bring the best out of each other. But instead, we're isolating ourselves, we're closing ourselves off, we're growing older and thinking the worst of the world, thinking that people aren't to be trusted. So then, sooner or later, we start trusting things, material things like money and prosperity over the value of people. We start developing addictions over the connections with people. And we have to do something with the energy because, you know, I had to learn it about myself that, you know, potential unexpressed, it made me bitter. Anytime we're usually unhappy in life, that's definitely a large thing. Anytime you're not happy in life or seeing the kind of changes you want to see, it's because you have something that you need to express that isn't being expressed. It's pinned up, it's building up, it's aging with you, and it hasn't had a time to show itself. It wants to prove itself. It wants to be a part of the world. It's supposed to come out of you and be a part of this reality. But since you haven't found a way to share that and get that out, most likely because you don't trust people, because you don't trust yourself, it's bottled up. It's bottled up. And it's just, you know, going crazy on the inside. And that can drive you crazy. And I personally know from experience. And lastly, you spend your life ignorant to your power. You spend your life ignorant to your, ta ignorant to your talent. And you become blind to your own purpose. And you never really realize what you're capable of. And more than anything, you never quite realize that you matter. You never realize that you matter. Before I close this segment, I do want to challenge you to do something. I want you to get a piece of paper and in the middle, I want you to write trusting others and then draw a circle around them, create a little bubble. And after you've done that, draw three lines from the bubble. And in those three lines, put three reasons why you struggle with trusting people. And after you do that, put one reason why trusting people has helped you. And once you have those, uh, those four reasons listed, start to bridge the gap, you know, uh, start to build up on those reasons. So let's say you, you do three reasons why you can't trust people, because people lie, people are secretive, and you never know what they're capable of. Okay, so why do people lie? What situations are you in where people lie to you? Why do they lie? Whatever that may be, you know, draw another line and write down that reason. And the same thing with the other two reasons and build those out. These are going to let you know the limiting and limiting beliefs that you have around why you struggle with trusting people. The one good reason that you can have about why you trust people is because they show you who you are yourself. 
And that could be a great reason because people do show you who you are. So maybe in the other three reasons, because people lie, they're secretive, and you don't know what they're capable of. Maybe those are reasons that apply to you. Those are things that you can work on within yourself. And just use this map to bridge the gap between your limiting beliefs and your the beliefs you want to have, the paradigm that you want to achieve, the shift that you want to make. And as you continue to build out the map, just continue to ask yourself why at every level, with every new branch that you add, ask yourself why and just build it out. And you'll be surprised at what's there. And you can also see what you're working with, where you need to start. Think about it. In the second segment, we'll be discussing the enemies of trustworthiness and the different categories of trustworthiness and how there are variations and how we all tend to do it just a little differently. But it all kind of comes back to the same idea. So stay tuned. Ralph Waldo said, Wise men put their trust in ideas and not in circumstances. I love this quote because it's very personal to me. It took me a long time to learn how to take accountability and ownership for my life and my life experiences and all of that because I grew up in an environment where I saw adults blaming everything but themselves for how their life was, you know, whether it's the bills, whether it's the white man, whether it's the job, whether it's the neighborhood you're living in, whether it's the car you're driving, whether it's your cousin, whether it was this friend or that person that would give you your money back. You know, I just saw lots of unaccountability. Don't even know if that's a word, but stick with me here. I just saw a lot, a lot of that kind of activity. So when I got older and my life didn't make sense and things seemed unfair and I didn't quite know how to heal or work past them, I myself had a tendency to blame everybody. And it wasn't until I started kind of, you know, getting that feedback from, you know, my family in general, where it was like this whole attitude of get over it and you're acting like a victim and, you know, all these kind of things. And it dawned on me that I need to take responsibility of my life. It didn't come right away. It came after, it came, <laughs> it came after many years of complaining and being sour and realizing that. I can sit here and let myself bitch and moan and have all these problems and blame them, but in the truth that I'm presently choosing, it's not empowering me. It's not making me better. It's not giving me any extra glory. It's not making me a more powerful person. If anything, it's doing the opposite. It's making me more bitter. It's making me more sour. It makes me twist my mouth every time we get to talking about them. It, it makes all of this nastiness come to the surface and it's not doing me any favor. So... I have to get to a place where when it comes to any issue or matter that's concerning my life, I have to make myself the cause and the cure. And I feel like when it comes to developing that relationship of trust, 
with other people, but especially yourself, you have to be you have to be willing to take accountability and ownership for what's going on with you. You know, so many of us grow and develop and just go forward into this life and we hold so much unexpressed potential because our parents didn't help us get through college or, you know, because our brother didn't help us uh, get the security deposit for the apartment apartment that we wanted or, you know, it could be a ton of just different excuses, but excuses that's holding us up and they're illusions, they're delusions that you're feeling, that you're fueling to let yourself off the hook so you can suck and you can be inactive and not really get shit done. And through all of these behaviors, through all of this uh, negative activity, you're training yourself more and more in the train of thought that you can't be trusted. You know, we don't really think about all the different ways we lie to ourselves and deceive ourselves. And, you know... (laughs) Excuse me. We don't think about all the ways that we lie and deceive ourselves on a day-to-day basis and how all of that math adds up and it creates compound interest and it creates more and more proof, insurmountable proof that we can't be trusted. So when something's wrong, you know, maybe I'm overreacting, maybe I'm tripping, you know, because I've successfully tripped. trained myself to believe that I can't be trusted. You know, maybe you grew up and you had people that didn't validate your feelings and your experiences and stuff like that, and you made that your fault. And now it is your problem because it's your life and you're left with the wreckage, so it is your responsibility to clean it up, but you made it your fault as opposed to being about them. You know, whatever issues and insecurities that they have, and you internalize that as you're not to be trusted. You know, you can't be trusted when it comes to knowing what you feel or, you know, knowing what you want to express. And I've been on this journey for some years now and lots of rewiring and showing myself more and more that what you feel or what matters to you is important. And the more you show that to yourself and prove that to yourself, the more you're aware of that in your being, you know? When it comes to establishing that line of trustworthiness with ourselves, I found that it takes two key ingredients to create trustworthiness with yourself and to, you know, maintain that with others. And one would be sincerity, you know, definitely that level of genuineness and honesty. You have to be sincere and sincere or it doesn't work. And then vulnerability, you have to have an openness, you have to be unguarded, you have to be defenseless. And this starts with yourself. If you, you know, when it comes to telling yourself the truth and being honest with yourself, and you're going to beat yourself up and judge yourself from an egoic place. And, you know, you were stupid for letting them treat you like that. You were stupid for letting her cheat on you. And you were stupid for letting your mom talk to you crazy or letting your dad, you know, do you like that or whatever like that. Then you're just setting yourself, you're, you're abusing yourself. But again, it's an ongoing process of training your brain to see you as not trustworthy and in you not being trustworthy you automatically funnel that experience into your reality and everybody that you experience is more than likely not trustworthy because that narrative starts with you
When we're able to be sincere and we're able, when we're able to be vulnerable, we're able to be more honest and giving and sharing and open with ourselves. And when we create that kind of flow and momentum, that creates access. And when we create access, we really come into a flow where, where we're really giving and sharing of ourselves with ourselves. And as a result, we'll be sharing and open with ourselves with other people. Access or inner access comes or stems from that primal desire that you have, that we all have to share ourselves with someone who wants the best for us. And when it comes to humans, myself included, for a really, really long time, I did that the other way around. And I wanted to share myself with people who wanted the best for me when I didn't even want the best for myself yet. You know, and it took this process in the other direction and it made it toxic and counterproductive. And I think a lot of us do that and it's a matter of catching ourselves in that process and reversing. When you want the best for yourself and you show yourself that and prove that to yourself on an ongoing basis, you learn to see and value yourself, your voice, your personality, and what you bring is valuable and respectable and worth respecting. And you start to build up momentum. You start to build up confidence. And with this energy, it's reflecting your reality. And people gather that about you. They sometimes don't always know what it is about you, but it's because they value you the way you feel and treat yourself so trustworthiness so much trustworthiness starts with treating yourself better and seeing yourself as someone who's trustworthy growing up as a gay kid i definitely spent a lot of time letting and allowing people to make me feel inferior and make me feel wrong and make me feel disgusting and make me feel not worthy not worthy of love not worthy of some of the same opportunities that other people are you know uh worthy of or allowed to have and just make me feel really low you know it really put me into a place where i went into a long period of self-loathing and just hating myself resenting myself and just not thinking I'm somebody to be respected and not thinking I'm someone to be that's worth loving, someone that's worth value or worth anything, really. You know what I mean? I had a good poker face and, you know, you weren't going to be, you, you wouldn't be able to do that easily. But with it happening enough, the frequency of it happening, it still got in, you know, I, you probably would have got a cuss word or two for your trouble and, you know, depending on who you were, you probably would have definitely got a mouthful, but I would have walked away feeling just a little bit more insecure because when you're a kid and you're growing up and you're so impressionable and the people that you love and trust and trust their opinions and trust their word and different things like that, it's easier for their word to come in and be more harmful and destructive because these are people that you quote unquote hold in high esteem. And even though it started in that way, I didn't have to let it stay that way because like I said, for a while, I resented myself. I resented my existence because I felt like I was here to be this way for people to just hate me so aggressively and violently and 
gruesomely when I'm someone that believes in love, that's a great lover of love and generosity and courage and kindness and affection and sweetness, you know, in knowing me, to know me and to meet me, you know, you will see the edges here and there because I have my boundaries. These days I'm more, a lot more aware of myself and my boundaries, but once I know you and trust you that you are who you are, I can be the sweetest and greatest person to you. I can be good to anyone. When I got to that place in my life where I learned, I can be good to somebody. I can be good to people. I can be good to a friend. I can be good in a relationship. I can be good to my family. I can be good to somebody and there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not broken. I'm not, you know, obsolete or anything like that. I'm actually perfect. I'm perfect the way I am. And in me learning to love myself and put myself back together, it felt like, you know, the way I've loved on myself, I feel like it's something that we all need, you know, in learning how to love ourselves and treat ourselves better. I feel like my 20s was a lot of learning what I don't want, what I don't need, what's not going to work, what you're not going to do, what we're not going to have, and how it's not going to go. And my 30s now, I'm 32 now, but my 30s is going to be the chapter of this is what it is. This is how to be. This is what I prefer. This is what is going to be. No questions asked, you know, no, no notes, you know, no changes. It's I'm getting to live in my prime. And I feel like, you know, we come into our prime when we realize that we matter and we have a much better idea of how reality works and how to adapt to the demands of reality and be our best self at the same time and not allow poor circumstances to dictate our trajectory and where we're going. You know, Tony Robbins said that Great men don't, you know, depend on their circumstances. They create them. And I take that to heart because even though I know as many things that I can control, I can't control how I react. And I can idealize the circumstances that I want and go to work on creating those circumstances. I don't have to be reactive for the rest of my life in terms of whatever life throws my way. And maybe you should adopt that or think about that, consider that. I was reading Henry Cloud's uh, book, Integrity, again, you'll hear me reference this book so much because it's been so uh, transcendent in my development, in my progression, and I'm very sure that it can be the same for you. But anyway, I was reading this book, and he was talking about trustworthiness, and he was talking about that how there's three different categories of trustworthiness. So I'm going to rename, you know, uh, I'm going to rename the titles because I love the main things, but here it is. So the first category of trustworthiness or trust in that we can embody uh, is the moonstruck rebels. So the moonstruck rebels are the people who don't look for trust, who don't give trust, who don't expect trust. You know, they're the people that can be okay as long as everything is good. But the moment, you know, shit hits the fan, they'll retaliate, you know, aggressively, maybe violently, maybe 
you know, vigorously, who knows, but they'll retaliate and nothing never go nothing never goes back to the way it was, you know. They expect that everybody that turns the corner is a bad guy. They expect the worst out of people most of the time, if not all the time, but usually very paranoid and insecure. And it's a very real thing, you know. I've had to detach and fall back or cut off quite a few very special and important people in my life because they trust and move in this way. I love them exactly for who they are. It's just this process, this way of being isn't conducive to my boundaries and my happiness and my development. And they deserve the freedom to move in the way they choose without any judgment or scrutiny from me. So I had to choose me, but and just a little bit choose it or choose them so they can be themselves. I don't want to be in a space with anyone where I'm telling them they're doing something wrong or it doesn't make me happy and they have their reasons. So, you know, I had to remove myself. But the Moonstruck Rebels. Then we have the contingency comrades. The contingency comrades are people that believe in reciprocity and fairness. They're the people that will do for you and have your back as long as you have their back. Everything can be cool. They can be beautiful people. They're capable of doing very beautiful things and holding you down. But again, it's only as long as you're doing what you're doing for them. The moment that stops, they're going to stop. And sometimes you can't always be sure that it'll start back up. So the contingency comrades, they only move when you're moving. If you don't move, nothing's going to get done or, you know, nothing's going to come from it. And then we have the wholeness warriors. The wholeness warriors are pretty much people that believe in grace. They believe in trust. They believe in acting without a person earning it. They are self-starters. They will do for you and you haven't given them a reason to do yet. They will lead by example and, you know, they will start the situation. They will kick off the relationship and, yeah, they're, they're initiators and they believe in the power of trust, the beauty of trust. They believe in the power of intimacy and um, freedom when it comes to trustworthiness and all that it provides and all that it offers. I've always connected with the wholeness warriors because a lot, a lot of my life has been about initiating kindness and love and generosity without really need to reason. And, you know, I've always had lots of people in my life that, you know, are like, why are you doing that for her? Why are you doing that for him? You know, you don't, you don't know him like that. And, you know, you don't even know if he's going to be worth it. And, you know, you know, what if he comes? What if it, What if you regret it later? What if he make you regret it? Or what if she make you regret it? What if you found out it's a mistake? And it's like, I've always come from the place of with my being, with my kindness, with my generosity, I'm always creating the reality that I want to create. And I always want to continue to create the reality of life and love and 
you know, where there's light workers everywhere. If you don't know about light workers, we'll talk about them later. But there's people that want to share love and extend grace and favor without a reason, without a motive, not because someone earned it or anything like that, just because I want everybody to know they matter. Um, I don't have to know you to do something kind for you. I don't have to know you to compliment you. I don't have to know you to mean you well. I don't have to know you to get in your business. I don't have to know you to want well-being for you. I want to lead with that kind of life and show you that it's possible. So hopefully in your journey, you can do that for somebody else. And we can contribute to a world where people are kind and loving and generous because they want to, because they have it to give, and not because someone earned it or did anything to receive it. Trustworthiness is so powerful and beautiful because it gives us the opportunity as humans to grow something in someone else, you know, to make the choice every day with our free will, whether we're going to mistreat someone and abuse them or use them or manipulate them like objects, or if we're going to be beings of light and love and treat them like they matter, treat them like they're the most important person in the world, treat them like they're worth respecting, treat them like they're the most beautiful thing God created because we all are. So what would happen if we all took that initiative and treated each other that way? You know, before I close this segment, I want you to think about which of those archetypes you connect with more. Are you the moonstruck rebel who, who's very insecure and you struggle to give trust and you don't expect trust in your relationships? Are you the contingency comrade that only does for others when they're doing for you? You know, uh, pretty much a spirit of fairness and reciprocity? Or are you the homeless warrior that loves to lead with love and generous generosity and kindness and, you know, take that risk and just put it all out there even when no one's giving you a reason to do so? And after you figure that out, which one would you aspire to be more like if you could? Think about it. this final segment, we'll be talking more about how we can practice trustworthiness in our everyday life deliberately. Stay tuned. David Armstead said, trust each other again and again. When the trust level gets high enough, people transcend apparent limits, discovering new and awesome abilities of which they were previously unaware. I personally love this quote because it's evident everywhere around us that the more and more you trust someone or you trust each other, the more you're able to rise to higher heights and experience things you never realize. And that can be in a marriage, you know, between a husband and a wife, or a wife and a wife, husband and husband and other, or it can be in a friendship. You know, the more you trust each other, 
the more you share, the more you tell, the more of yourselves that you are willing to share, the more vulnerable you can be, the more comfortable you can be, the more you're willing to divulge. You know, it can be with two siblings, you know, the, the closer you are, the more you trust each other, the more limitless the possibilities, you know? Or even in business relationships, you know, the more you trust each other, the less you have to, the easier negotiations can go. <laughs> you know, the easiest, the easier business deals can go. It can really go anywhere, but it really comes back to your ability to trust others. You know, I've always been somebody that wanted to have a bunch of friends, but a bunch of close friends, though. You know, people that are very near and dear to my heart, very sentimental. And I've had luck here and there, but the thing that I had to learn, that I had to learn and that I'm still learning is you can only attract the quality of friends that you exude when it comes to your own personal worth and quality. Let me restate that. So I had to learn that the quality of people that I attract won't get better to the quality of person I am improves. So, you know, I've been doing my own work. I, you know, for one, I had to definitely learn how to trust myself. You know, I've had lots of different experiences, but nothing really takes the cake as to, you know, me spending most of my life lying to myself about my sexuality. You know, whether, you know, to please other people, but lying to myself about my sexuality because coming to terms with that or how people may feel about that may cause a, a, a revolt or a riot or cutoffs and people not talking to me, not dealing with me, don't want to be in a relationship with me no more. And just all of these offenses and all of these repercussions. And so when you spend a long time lying to yourself like that, it takes a while to really build that trust back up with yourself because you conditioned yourself for decades into thinking that you're not good enough and that you can't be trusted. So when it comes to repairing those rips and bruises and, you know, putting the stitches and band-aids where they need to go, you know, I tend to those now. I get to all of that and I'm telling the truth about everything, you know. Um, but and also as a result of having that experience, it made me more hungry. It made me more appreciative because in all the years that I spent lying to myself, it's much easier to pick that kind of thing up in another person. So, you know, there's not really too much of anyone that can lie to me because I know what it looks like. I know what it feels like. I know how it moves. I know how it behaves and I know how it carries itself. So there are perks to going through those chapters, but it's been a road and, you know, I'm not telling y'all something that you don't know because you experience the same thing if you listen to this podcast. One of the reasons I feel I've been successful and I've been able to improve and get better at trusting myself and valuing myself is through grace. Definitely extending that grace to myself and showing myself that I matter. You know what I'm saying? It started, you know, it really started with dealing with other people, extending that grace to other people because in extending that grace to other people, I saw that I can also extend that kind of grace and compassion to myself. 
And grace is a matter of giving it because you got it, not because somebody earned it. You know what I mean? And when I learned the value of doing for others and showing up for others, it showed me that I can do that for myself. And I don't have to earn it. Excuse me. I don't have to earn it. I can just show up and do it for myself and be that for myself. Grace taught me that I can accommodate the shortcomings of others and still be a positive force in their life for good and, you know, to help to influence their growth and help them leverage their experiences to get to the next level. And in showing that to myself, I saw that I can also perform that for myself. I can be that for myself. I don't have to be these things for people and not extend that kindness back to myself. I'm only able to extend this kindness because I already have this level of kindness. So, you know, just connecting those dots. So that might mean for you, that it might mean that you need to get more selfish and pay more attention to you and what you need right now. You might feel like there's a lot of people depending on you and there's a lot of different variables and situations going on, but you need to focus on you because everything that you're giving to everybody else, you're more than capable of giving to yourself. You only have it to give to other people because you yourself possess it already. You can't give anything from your vibration that doesn't exist already. I think I said that wrong. You can't share anything with anyone that isn't a part of your actual vibration already so charity starts at home you can definitely practice building trustworthiness with yourself and others but with yourself first by practicing the following one your empathy your ability to identify with someone else's experience you know what i mean but when since we're talking about you identify with your experience when it comes to Observing and analyzing the experiences that you're having, try your best not to label them because it's the labels that we create that allow us to become stuck because we can't learn more. We can't take on more because we're stuck in how we think something was supposed to affect us. You know, learn this thing about human beings that one, this person can label something positive and this other person can say it's negative. So, you know, it's really subjective. <laughs> you know what I mean? But avoid giving, you know, saying this was good, this was a good experience or this was a bad experience because labels create an expectation in a way where when it's time to heal and process, you're stuck on something because the label creates an expectation in you that allows you to experience a challenge when it comes to processing it and keeping it simple and moving on. You know what I mean? So stay neutral. Observe and see the situation or the experience for what it is. And then once you're done, choose or create a truth that will make you a better person in the end, in the long run. Don't spend too much energy about what actually happened and, you know, making yourself any kind of victim or anyone that was hurt, you know, assess your feelings and be sensitive to your feelings, emotions and what happened to you. But when it comes to putting this situation to rest, choose a resolution that's going to empower you and make you a greater soul, a greater character in the long run. So empathy, one, two, your word, 
I learned so much about the importance of your work growing up because I saw so many people abusing it. You know, I had a relative that I used to get into it with constantly over and over because, you know, he'd say, so you know, every time, you know, we go somewhere or something, I'll call you when I get home or I'm outside or we can go on Thursday, we can go on Tuesday and, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, he never followed through and never followed up on what was said. And, you know, it created that thing of, you know, whenever we make plans, you can tell me you're on your way, but that don't mean shit until you're outside. I want to hear your horn blowing. I want to be able to see you outside my window because other than that, that's the only truth. That's the only collateral that I can bank on when it comes to what it is that you have to bring because you've abused your word and you've made it mean nothing in our connection or in our relationship. And like I said, growing up, I learned very early on that when you spend more time being dishonest and deceiving and lying, that people don't trust you. People don't care what you have to say. They don't care how you feel. Something bad can happen to you. And a lot of times they can you know, say that you had it coming just because of the kind of character that you possess, the kind of person that you are, because you've led a you, you led a weight of deceiving people and getting over and being negative and doing what you got to do to have your way. So it's important to treat your word as gospel and do what you say you're going to do. That's one of the first things that people pay attention to, whether you're at work or in friendships, relationships. You know, what you say you're going to do says a lot about you because if you can't keep that word with someone else, we know you can't keep it with yourself. Three, over-delivering on your word. So, you know, there could be situations where, you know, it could be a business deal or a business situation where, you know, you can be editing someone's YouTube video and they tell you that they want uh, two transitions and a thumbnail and they want you to add a fancy outro and intro to it. And you can do all of those things. But if you want to ensure that they come back, if you want to really create a relationship, you can tell you can find ways to take it a step further to build that trust in your skill and show more of what you're capable and show your character. You know, a lot of people these days, again, they're contingency comrades where they're only going to do as much as you're going to do for them. And that sets you up to be in situations where there's no surprises, just obligation and plain old commitment, so to speak. So, you know, it just it means more to over-deliver on your work. You'll also see that whether you're at work, in your career, everywhere really is applicable. But when you learn how to over-deliver, people are, it makes you more indispensable. It makes people maybe expect a little bit more out of you, but they're not expecting nothing that you can't deliver. And it magnetizes people towards you. It, it attracts more people because, you know, more people want to experience your over-delivery whatever it is that you get. I don't know if you've ever been at McDonald's like I have, and, you know, sometimes they give you a bunch of extra fries than more than you ask for. Sometimes you might have ordered just large fry and 
McChicken and the burger. And sometimes they give you a large fry of McChicken and a small fry, or they give you an apple pie of nowhere, or, you know, <laughs> or they give you a drink. And it's like, I don't think I ordered a drink, but they gave me a drink anyway. And, you know, whether they knew it or not, they were over delivered. And that more than likely increased the chances of you coming back to see them because of what they did. You know, you've probably over-delivered many times, but making a reputation, building a habit of over-delivering definitely bolsters your character and creates a sense of trustworthiness to for you with everyone. So start with over-delivering for yourself, how you treat yourself, over-delivering with your word, over-delivering with how you carry yourself. Four, make a habit of doing the right thing even when nobody's there, even when nobody's looking, even when nobody's holding you accountable. Trust can be sown so deeply because when a person feels like you're going to look out for them the same way they would if they were there, it makes them want to do that for you, but it also brings about a different respect to see that depth of your character. So make a habit of doing the right thing, even when no one's looking, you know, even when there's no gratification, even when, you know, no one's going to put it on Facebook and, you know, show you feeding the homeless guy or whatever it was that you were doing. Do the right thing, even when nobody's looking. It comes back. And also, you'll attract more people that'll do the same. And it furthers this network of people who live lives of character and trustworthiness and meanness. Meaning. <laughs> and lastly, include people in your process of how you care for them. You know, whatever agreement and whatever situation, whatever the terms are, the standards or the demand. Include people in how you care for them because it's them and no one wants to be in a situation where someone is deciding reality for us, you know, and it can be any kind of situation. You can be a public, you know, uh, you can be hosting an event and you have a public speaker and it could have started out at this big statement, but there was an issue with the ceiling. So you had to do another location and you decided, okay, I'm going to do it at a church. But, you know, you don't know how the person who's speaking feels about churches. They can be someone that don't have a good relationship with churches or religion or anything like that. And if you just decide that they'll be all right and that it'll be okay, then you're setting yourself up to potentially have a problem. So, you know, go that extra mile and call them. Yeah, so the event at the stadium fell through, so we're actually going to do it at a church. Is that cool? No, that's not really cool. I don't really do churches like that. Okay, you know, I appreciate your patience and whatever else you come up with, but I do thank you for calling me and considering me in this. You know what I mean? It's just things like that where you consider people. You know, it's really... It really makes me think a lot about parents and children and how growing up I saw other people and also had the kind of parents that did a lot of that. I know what's best for you. And I've always had an issue with that because even though you're a parent, you're deciding the future or the reality for someone who actually have to live with the backlash or consequences or whatever, you know, of whatever it is that you're about to create, of whatever decision that you're about to make. So, you know, a lot of parents make more 
have more success and create more trust with their children because then bring the children into a lot of the major decisions about that they make about their life. And then you have the others that just want to dictate because they don't want to respect anyone else's boundaries. And children insist when you don't expect respect their boundaries. And as a result, they don't respect your boundaries. And it becomes a situation where you try to make their your boundaries more important than theirs. And you're training them to ignore their boundaries and ignore their feelings. And it just becomes a whole mess. So again, whether it's a parent-child relationship or any relationship where someone's trusting you, consider them in the process. As always, think about it. I want to thank y'all again for hanging in with me, hanging in with me and sticking through this process and listening to this episode. This we'll be talking more about trustworthiness as we go along and further episodes because again you know things like character are so important to me and I think we all should value character more and sure trustworthiness is just another component of character and despite a lot of the harsh and dark things that I've experienced and been through and you know been on the receiving end on I also want to be someone that never gets tired of doing the right thing that never gets tired of leading with love and intention and wanting wanting to bring the best out of someone and leading with positivity and you know offering help that wasn't earned you know lots of times I feel like we are in relationships friendships and connections with people where you know we can tell they can be doing something that don't make us happy that they can break a boundary or something and we can tell them that they broke a boundary or they offended us but we don't also take the initiative to tell them how or what the right thing looks like. We don't get, we don't model the kind of behavior that's necessary to uphold and preserve the boundary. We just kind of quit on them or we fall back and we don't, and we leave them in a worse position than we found them. And one of my things have always been, you know, anybody that I mean, whether it's, you know, friend, family, more, relationships, romantic relationships or whatever, I want to leave the person in a better condition and better shape than when I found them or when they found me. And I feel like if we all have that same kind of intention when it comes to getting to know people, you know, the world can definitely be a brighter and more loving place. You know, coming to that place where you can give that unearned or undeserved help because you want to see somebody win, because you want to see somebody get better. You want to see somebody actually perform the demand or standard that you asked of them. You know, if you told them that they talk to you like you're crazy, okay, how do they correct that? So you avoid you avoid talking to me like I'm crazy by one, not using cuss words, two, not raising your voice, and three, you know, not using language that can be condescending or offensive or volatile, you know, and after you set that standard, 
You know, show them along the way. Show them in your character, but show them along the way. Now, everybody isn't going to always go for this, of course. We all know this, but this is someone that you've deemed trustworthy and someone who's a learner and willing to take that journey with you in becoming a better person, someone who's genuinely invested in being a better person. Because everyone isn't, and some people just feel like they're trying to teach them how to be an adult or how to have manners when you're really just treating them, you're teaching them how to treat you. And that's something that, that's an ongoing situation that I feel like we'll spend the rest of our lives doing with everyone that we meet with all the relationships that we have, maintain, you know, just teaching people how to do that. But we just need to take that initiative to show them. We just can't tell them, you got this wrong, and then we bail on them or we'll fall back. Or we got this wrong, I'm going to run away, you figure it out, and I'll come back. And if you don't have to figure it out, I'm done with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, there's some people, there's a lot of people that are actually worth that kind of treatment. It's just, you know, got to be that first time, you know, one and done and get out. I do recognize that I'm not asking you to be a fool for anybody. You know, it's just with certain people, they require a little bit more care and they're actually worth that kind of effort. It's just a matter of knowing who those people are from the others. Welcome to the air segment, y'all. This is the last segment of the episode, as you know, and one of my favorite ones. And it's because the air segment drives home the idea and to me the fact that your life can change whenever you're ready for it to. It can change right now. It can change a minute from now, five minutes from now, 10 minutes, an hour, or tomorrow. But your life can only change at the rate at which you're willing to be accountable and responsible for it. And for you to take it to the next step, you have to be willing to take massive action, as Tony Robbins puts it. Massive action. So let's jump right in. The first letter. E, adduce. Adduce your life principles. Adduce your level of awareness in your everyday life. Adduce your ability to surrender. A lot of us, we can get backed into so many corners and, you know, we can go through so much stuff because we're so used to managing misery and trying to manage life and prevent change that we don't realize the times when it's time to surrender and give in and throw in a towel. And we have to acknowledge that surrendering doesn't make us losers or failures. It just means that we're redirecting the energy and allowing God or the universe or the energy, whatever you call it, to take its lead and do what it needs to do to take that off your hands. You can kind of just serve that up and make that a part of the flow. Also, adduce your strengths, you know, be aware or, you know, Create awareness about what you're good at, what you excel at, what you do more naturally, what you've always uh, done well. So adduce your strengths. Adduce your self-care practices. Adduce your ability to, to empathize with others, you know? Continue to grow that. Make that a lifelong journey and priority in your ability to empathize with others. It's really nothing like being able to identify with somebody else's experience practically to the, the extent in which they're given it, especially if you have the experience. Also, adduce your character. 
that should be an ongoing priority for you too, an ongoing goal to adduce and develop your character, bring that out. Because as you grow, your character grows too and allows you to better adapt to the demands of reality as you go forward. Adduce your moral code, you know, your life values, the actions that you take. When it comes to being a citizen of this universe or being a human being, it's a great thing when people can deduce, <laughs> deduce what your values are from your actions and the things that you care about. When people can spend a lot of time around you and not really quite be able to pinpoint your actions, you know, that says a lot about you. I kind of, you know, had to learn that about myself, but also learn that in other people and not always being able to derive where they make their decisions from or what's important to them because it's usually sporadic and they're making decisions reactively and impulsively. Also, adduce your credibility. You know, be true to yourself, but also be true to others and develop that, continue to grow that and adduce your level of authenticity. So there, <laughs> adduce. The next letter, R, recontextualize. Recontextualize your fears around trust. Recontextualize your intentions, your desires your goals, your life experiences, your life values, and your house rules. Recontextualize all these things because whatever you're not liking or enjoying about your life, it's because you created the present context that's existing right now and you can change it whenever you want to. You have whatever it is that you're calling truth, but it's not really truth. It's an observation that you labeled and called the truth for you. But if it's not helping you, if it's not empowering you, if it's not paving the way to your greatness, to your healing, to your peace of mind, it's time to choose another truth. Recontextualize, go about it differently. Give it another name, give it a new story, give it a new direction. Give it a new intention. Give it a new goal. Allow it to serve you differently. Maybe the context that you gave it at the present time when those things were happening, it was appropriate and it was needed and it helped you survive and get through that matter. But you're much stronger now. You're much more aware and you're much more in tune with yourself. So let's change the definition. Let's remodel the house. Let's recontextualize. <laughs> And the last letter, A, aspire. Aspire to trust more, aspire to love more, aspire to show more grace, aspire to provide more unmerited help. Be willing to put yourself out there and help people and not get nothing in return. About a few months ago, maybe a little bit more, I actually challenged myself to give a dollar to a homeless person every day for like about a month, maybe 40 days. But I went and got maybe like 40 singles, went and got changed and got like 40 singles. And, you know, I gave a homeless, like maybe three homeless people and like I gave a dollar to one of them like 
every day, you know, just alternating between them. And one of them in particular, you know, stood out and I kind of called him my uncle in a way because in seeing him, you know, he was one of those people that was willing to accept cold bottles of water and something to eat if he could. He wasn't one of those that could be just very rigid about the money sometimes, even though I do understand, I can understand the situation to the best of my ability, but giving them a dollar like every day for a day and just like it's nothing that you know you can really be paid back for it just really like changed me it made me feel good it made me look forward to seeing them it made me just get up randomly if i was going to get a coffee or getting some lunch or just step now for a second to make sure i make my my run and make sure I go see about them and make sure they have what they need or make them, you know, sometimes I challenge myself and do five, like a couple times I've been challenged myself and did 10 because the giving can feel so good and especially when you can give it to someone and they can just look confused as to why you're giving them so much money and they haven't earned it, they didn't have to do anything for it sometimes and they deserve to still believe in a world where people can be that kind and generous and not want anything in return. I myself want to live in a world where people can share that kind of light and love, flow and generosity. So, you know, it always starts with me. It's definitely a goal of mine to definitely be able to, you know, have like a team, you know, have a team of people, but have like a team where you know, one of these years for Christmas, we can get like maybe 10 U-Haul trucks full of toys and we can just go to different shelters and pass out toys and, you know, just pass out toys and just really make some kid, make some kids day to really just kind of create that memory that, you know, whatever's going on with my life right now. Somebody remembered to show up for you. Somebody cared enough to remind you that you matter, that you're special, that you're dynamic, that you're a genius, that you're beautiful, that you're perfect, that you're valued, that you're respected, and that you are dearly, dearly loved and needed. Because all of us are. Anyway, aspire to be more accountable. Be more accountable for your life. Be accountable for the good and the bad. Make yourself responsible for the good, the bad, and the the indifferent in your life. That way you're always in control. That way what happens is always up to you. That way your healing is always your responsibility. And knowing you were not shifting the blame anywhere. And our development isn't delayed on someone else uh, corroborating our experience. Aspire to find someone who have been through who has been through what you've been through and came out on top you know you could have had any issue you know you could grow up adopted in a terrible home or you could have probably experienced an abuse of some type of some kind but find a role model someone that you can model yourself after and you know maybe in the modeling emulating them you can tap into certain skills or specific uh, journeys or paths or decisions that you need to make to facilitate your healing, to facilitate your growth and development. You know, find a book. That's a good start. Find a book that speaks to the heart of who you are or the heart of the matter you're having, the heart of the issue that you're experiencing and reaches you exactly where you are. And read that book. Read that book about a dozen times. You know, start small. 
You know, don't jump right into something that you can't commit to. If you can only do a sentence a day, keep it easy and start there. Adduce, recontextualize, and aspire. Take it one step at a time and take one action for a whole week, for a whole day, for a whole hour, for a whole month. And then start the second one. Or do one, one week, two, the second week, three, the third week. Or just alternate. But either way, take action and take massive action. I do want to thank y'all again for tuning into this podcast and for being sticking with us for episode eight. We are almost to episode 10 and I am geeking out about that. Anyway, the next episode, we'll be talking about reading books and why we need to bring more of that back into society and back into our development, especially adults and kids. So you definitely don't want to miss that at all. And before I let you go, I do want to ask that you subscribe, that you leave a message, shoot me a rating, let me know how it's going. If it's if there's anything in this episode that stuck with you, a line or anything that I said, let me know. If there's any other topics that you guys want to hear or uh, hear me uh, talk about, let me know. But in the meantime, please feel, please feel free to subscribe, download, share these messages, and if you feel led to. Please donate to this podcast. It really helps us keep going. So, yeah, I appreciate all that you do. But more importantly, I appreciate you listening. And I appreciate you taking this journey with me and allowing me to take this journey with you. And before we go, I want to thank you for tuning into the Medicine Cabinet, where we get experimental about exploring your potential. Thank you so much. And enjoy your day. Peace.